0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are into the first round of basketball's playoffs, and it has been incredibly, incredibly enjoyable. Some series may be all but done, uh, Toronto Raptors, and others are just getting more intense. BetOnline is the place to stop for all of your bets, props, odds, wagers, gambles, Plays and any and everything gambling during the basketball playoffs. Use our promo code BLEAVE, B L E A V, to get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts.
1: Oh
0: yeah everybody however and whenever you may be listening thank you for stopping into the memes of the weekend podcast here on the take it easy podcast i hope everybody is having a fantastic day So we've split these podcasts into two, as if it's an NFL Monday, but instead it's an NBA Monday. So if you want to hear serious analysis about half of these incredible, incredible NBA playoff series, the place to get that is over on our NBA Monday podcast for playoff weekend number two. Every single series is either four games in, or in the case of the... Celtics and Nets series all but done which if you would have told me at the start of the playoffs the series that's gonna be a 3-0 lead was Boston versus Brooklyn I would have told you you were crazy now technically there are two series that went to 3-0 because Philadelphia and Toronto was a 3-0 lead and that one's headed towards a sweep but not quite headed towards a sweep yet because the two that I thought would have been sweeps the Suns and the Bucks. They ended up getting one-game pity victories out of their series. And the place I want to start this Memes of the Weekend podcast is with the Chicago Bulls. Because one of the things we end up doing here as part of our continuing NBA playoff coverage, and we did some of this last week, is when teams get eliminated, we tend to eulogize these basketball teams as a way to kind of recap the season, recap the state of affairs for the organization, since we didn't really talk much about the Chicago Bulls this year. We had some fun conversations with like Gage Bridgeford and DSD and Morgan from Australia and some of our other basketball friends, but we didn't really talk that deep about the Bulls, and the Bulls are most appropriate to be here on Memes of the Weekend because The Chicago Bulls, I've talked about this before, but I wanted to go into it in depth here, because I've never really deeply explored this idea, and I think the first segment of Memes of the Weekend, after they essentially get eliminated by the Milwaukee Bucks, I know it's not over yet, but Chris Middleton got hurt, and we talked on Friday about how this is going to change the course of the playoffs after the first round, because I did say, and you can find the tape on that, that... Phoenix is going to be able to beat New Orleans without Devin Booker, although I understand why you'd ask that question. Also, Milwaukee is going to be able to beat Chicago without Chris Middleton. Now, will they be able to beat Boston without Chris Middleton? Uh, We'll see. Are they going to be able to beat Brooklyn, which I thought at the time Brooklyn still had a chance in the series? Uh, You know, I guess we'll have to wait and find out and see. But the Bulls after that, after... DeRozan had 41 points in Game 2, and they won a game in Milwaukee the same way Orlando would all, or DJ Augustine more specifically, but DJ Augustine and Orlando would be the eight seed or the seven seed, and they'd win one game and lose a series in five in that same way the Bulls did the same strategy, and the Bulls got one victory before after Chris Middleton got hurt, they lost by 30, and they lost by 20. To the to the Milwaukee Bucks at home, which is just, you know, the the Bucks championship contender good Chicago Bulls first round exit. This is going to happen in these series. It's just not everyone realizes that's going to be the case. And Bulls fans maybe don't realize that that's going to be the case, although Bulls fans have been quite tame over this uh This first round series and this season where they were the one seed for the longest time. And even when they were the one seed, they wanted to make DeMar DeRozan MVP and they wanted to talk their shit. But Bulls fans were relatively reasonable about their expectations. And yeah, they got smacked in the first round because they happened to match up against Milwaukee. If they had matched up against, I don't know, Brooklyn or they'd matched up against someone else, maybe they would have had a better chance in a series. But either way, Chicago gets bounced in the first round and the part i wanted to talk about with the bulls is that the chicago bulls effed up their rebuild like the chicago bulls after trading jimmy butler essentially went through a four-year rebuild of their franchise and that began with the 2017 draft they got uh, larry markinen and justin Patton. they had two picks in the top 16 it was kind of the beginning of their teardown because they had maximized their value with Uh, If people remember, Derrick Rose got hurt, and they traded Derrick Rose to the Knicks back in 2016. And they still had Jimmy Butler. They lost in the first round, I want to say, in 2016, maybe. I want to say they lost in the first round. The, the, The Bulls lost, and then they got Dwayne Wade to sign after 2016. They made it to the first round of the playoffs again. They lose in the first round of the playoffs. I can't remember who it was in 2017, but I know they lost in the first round of the playoffs. And the Bulls ended up in a weird place where they didn't know exactly what to do because Dwayne Wade wasn't the same player that they thought he was going to be. They uh, traded Taj Gibson at the trade deadline that year and... The Chicago Bulls were kind of just in a weird purgatory at that point. And so going into the 2017 draft, they traded Jimmy Butler. They tore the whole thing to the ground. Dwayne Wade ended up going to the the Cavs a year later. It just it wasn't the greatest situation for them. So the Chicago Bulls ended up tearing it all to the ground after 2017. They they did make it as an eight seed. I'd forgotten about that. They were the, the eight seed that year. And the Dwayne Wade experiment didn't work out the way they hoped it would. And Dwayne Wade ended up playing the one year in Chicago and then ended up going to the Cleveland Cavaliers a year later because he got bought out. And the Bulls decided, well, we tried our best to bring Dwayne home and sell some tickets. And we were the eight seed. So we're just going to tear it all down at this point. And the rebuild for Chicago really messed up because they didn't get anything good out of it so they got larry markanin with the seven pick which was the main piece they traded jimmy butler for so the official jimmy butler trade goes down as gorgyu Dieng, zach levine larry markanin and some throw-in pieces like chris dunn was part of the trade and chris dunn ended up being drafted too high for his pick back when minnesota took him and so what's interesting is that Levine was the key piece that they got for Jimmy Butler. Okay, so you swap you swap in Levine for Jimmy Butler, and Zach Levine's pretty much just like a lesser version of Jimmy Butler. I know they do different things and play different positions, but Zach Levine is essentially, if you're going to trade Jimmy Butler, you get a 70% return on Jimmy Butler, which is you get 70% of Jimmy Butler in that Jimmy Butler's a Tier 2 star, Zach Levine's a Tier 3 star, or a Tier 4 star, where you're like kind of an all-star... Sometimes is going to make the all-star team. Basically, Zach Levine's like a tier four star. So they traded a top 15 player and got five years of a top 40 player in getting Zach Levine. Okay, so now you're pairing that top 40 player with a bona fide superstar. That's the goal of going to the bottom of the draft and doing the whole rebuild thing. And Chicago got really bad luck in some of these lotteries. Like the year after they traded Jimmy Butler in 2017 so the 2017 2018 season the bulls were really bad this was like this is our worst year of the teardown season because we just gutted our entire roster our value is going to be in getting this top pick in the draft they had the number two odds in the draft lottery and then the chicago bulls went on a four game winning streak to end the 2018 season they went to the fifth best odds in the lottery Sacramento jumped up to the number two pick and um, Atlanta, sorry, Atlanta jumped up to the number three pick in the lottery. And so the Bulls went from having possibly the second best odds and the worst pick you could have is pick four, at which point, you know, Luka might have been off the board, but Trey Young would have been there. Or Jaron Jackson Jr. was the fourth pick, who, again, I, I said this a, a couple weeks ago. Think about how good Jaron Jackson Jr has to be where he was picked in between Luka and Trey Young, and we don't talk about it. Like, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a really good defensive player, second-best player, arguably, on the Memphis Grizzlies, and we don't talk about him being picked one pick before Trey Young or one pick after Luka Doncic. And so they could have had that worse the four pick. They go on a win streak. They get the fifth-best odds in the lottery. They fall to the seven pick they draft Wendell Carter Jr. Okay, so they could have had a top pick in the draft, and they end up with Wendell Carter Jr. because of a meaningless four-game win streak and doing tanking poorly at the end of 2018. So they now have Larry Markkinen, Justin Patton, and Wendell Carter to show for the beginning of the rebuild. And then the next year, they get the seven pick in the draft, and they draft Kobe White. And Kobe White, again, is a fine basketball player. Not super special, not super spectacular, but they do get Kobe White with the seven pick in the draft. And then they win the draft lottery a little bit in 2020. They get to jump into the top four and they get Patrick Williams. Again, Patrick Williams, really solid basketball player, averages nine points a game. But he's someone who they probably aren't paying a premium To keep around, especially this year, he was hurt a little bit. But he started last year, then moved to the bench. He's never averaged more than ten points a game. And so, they get Patrick Williams, they get Kobe White, they get Wendell Carter Jr., and they get Lowry Markkinen. Those four picks are the bulk of their teardown. And they also got Chandler Hutchinson with an extra draft pick they had, and they got Daniel Gafford. And now they have A.O. Dunsumo, but like the 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 bulk of their losing, the reward for losing all those games was Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr, and Lowry Markinen and Justin Patton and Patrick Williams. like those five players are this is the young core we've gotten for three to four years of losing, and none of those players are spectacular. Not a single one of those players is even top 40 good in the NBA. You can make an argument about Kobe White. None of those players top 40 good in the NBA. And that's really messing up. Like This is how teams end up getting stuck in the lottery cycle for years and years and years like Sacramento, like Phoenix was, like Minnesota is, like the New York Knicks perpetually are, is you don't get generation... You don't even get, like, great players with top draft picks. Because you can luck into... Think about it this way. If the average lifespan of an NBA career is 10 years for, like, a really solid player, 10 years is your career lifespan, if there's 50 to 60 top 50... 60, if there's, like, 50, 60 impact players in the NBA, that means... That strictly through the draft, five to six enter the league every single year. Most of them are picked in the top 13 picks of the draft. Eventually, you're going to get lucky on one of those guys if you spend enough time at the top of the draft. And the Bulls just missed on everyone, all five guys, none of them top 50 players in the NBA. And so the Bulls were staring down a, you know, this is the type of drafting that gets people fired. And, you know, they went through the Jim Boylan era of coaching and it it, they did. They just was terrible for the Bulls for the longest time. They went from Fred Hoiberg to Jim Boylan and everyone hating Jim Boylan and resenting Jim Boylan. They missed the bubble altogether in 2020. Like it was just not great times in Chicago. And what I was so fascinated by was last year at the trade deadline, So we're going back to March of 2021, the Chicago Bulls as an organization decided that we don't want to go through another rebuild. We just brutally messed up our rebuild. Gar Pax, which was Gar Foreman and John Paxson, the former front office for the Bulls, they both got fired. I think John Paxson got moved to a different role. Gar Foreman got fired. Maybe it was that in reverse, but one of them got fired. One of them got reassigned and the Bulls decided that instead of doing another rebuild and like going to the very bottoms of the NBA draft lottery again, we are going to spend all of our money, trade all of our draft picks, and we're going to make ourselves competitive in a way that other teams are not doing it. Now, here's the problem with the NBA, though. In order to be a top-eight team in the NBA... You have to have a top 15 player in the NBA. It's just the way that this one works. The single star is so valuable to the sport, especially in playoff basketball when your lineups shrink. Part of why the the Boston Celtics were like the 18th ranked offense in the NBA this year. And then once you get to the playoffs and you shrink the bench, it's more Tatum. It's more Jalen Brown. Your offense improves. Okay. You need a top 15 player to have a top eight team in the NBA. And if you don't have a top eight player in the NBA, you kind of need to have like multiple top 50 players in the NBA. Like the the Minnesota Timberwolves, for example, they have three top 50 players in the NBA, none of which are like top 25 players in the NBA. Maybe Carl Anthony Towns is a top 25 player in the NBA. None of them are top 15 players in the NBA. They have no tier two or barely even a Tier 3 star. I guess Carl anthony Towns is a Tier 3 star. But Anthony Edwards is also the best player on his team. So it's interesting. You need to have at least a Tier 3 star. And the Bulls did not have that. They had Zach Levine, who, again, top 40 player, very good, 70% of Jimmy Butler. And they didn't really have anything else built around him. And it looked like Zach Levine was going to leave in for agency. Or he'd have one year left on his deal, he wouldn't sign his deal... And the Bulls would have their hand forced and they'd have to trade him after the 2021 season to avoid getting nothing in return. And the Bulls decided that we would rather just go all out and try and just make a competitive basketball team. If we spend all of our first round picks and all of our money, how competitive of a basketball team can we make? And they traded... Two first round picks and Wendell Carter, who again was one of the five first, the, the five picks, the five young people from all the years of losing, all the years of losing they had, they traded um, Wendell Carter Jr., their first round pick in 2022 and their, or their first round pick in 2021, which was last year, and their first round pick in 2023, which by the way, that first round pick in 2021 ended up being pick eight in the draft and ended up being Franz Wagner. Like, that was a super valuable pick that they gave up. You know, it was another piece of their future young core. If they were going to go trade Zach Levine because Zach Levine was going to leave as a free agent and start the rebuild again, you'd really want a Franz Wagner on your team. And they traded for Vucevic, who is is another tier four star. Like, the, the other thing about needing a top 15 player to be one of the top 10 teams in the NBA is... It's really hard to get top 15 players outside of the NBA draft. Like, maybe Kevin Durant decides he wants to play for your team, and Chicago's a large enough city where they have that clout. Maybe a top star decides they want to play for your team. It's really, really hard to find that, and when they do now in the modern NBA, and they decide they choose to play for your organization, they get the power— and you have to give up an exorbitant amount of picks and players in order to acquire them. So it's difficult in that situation because, yes, everyone wants one of the top 15 players. The easiest way to do it is to get one through the draft. And maybe only one or two enter the league every year, like Luca, Trey Young, the Ant-Man, LaMelo Ball. Like two a year maybe are in, in each draft class. And Chicago didn't get one of those two guys. Okay, So they trade it for Vucevic, who's as good of a or as valuable of a basketball player as Zach Levine. Then they sign Lonzo Ball for eighty million dollars. They sign Alex Caruso. They sign DeMar DeRozan, and that is their way of building a competitive basketball team is assembling what looked like for DeMar DeRozan at the time was a tier four star. He's probably a tier three star now. Like we, he was always a tier three star, just kind of got misused a little bit by the San Antonio Spurs. And we don't talk about that enough, but anyways, so they give DeMar DeRozan a max contract. They give Lonzo ball, 20 million a year. They give Caruso 13 million a year and they trade Vucevic, which is essentially another $80 million because Vucevic has three years left on his deal and three first round draft picks. So they give up three first round picks and about a hundred million dollars a year in order to build a fringe level competitive team that won one playoff game. They got one playoff victory with the best version of that team that they had. And by the way, Not even a terrible decision because Chicago was never going to be able to do anything to become an elite team without putting together a package for a superstar who decides they want to play for Chicago. And you can ask New York Knicks fans about how long a poorly run organization in a semi-large market has to wait for such a star player. There are all kinds of other options, especially in the modern NBA where Giannis is cool playing in Milwaukee with a well-run organization, Denver, Phoenix, Boston, Philadelphia, Miami. These options have found homes for these top star players where they aren't necessarily interested in leaving. And so this ends up being a near perfect situation for the Chicago Bulls to just try their best to take advantage of this situation. And so the Chicago Bulls find themselves in a really difficult situation where we could either rebuild again, try and get the top pick in the draft, or we can just field the most competitive team we can because it already messed up. You already have the sunken cost of, we did not get a star player out of this rebuild. And instead of staying in the lottery for another four or five years, having 10 years with a playoff drought, the Bulls decided we're just going to field the most competitive team we possibly can, even if we can't win a championship. And by the way, they were first place in the East like most of the season. That's still pretty damn good. Give them props for that. Like they overperformed expectations. They had a fun team to watch. And we talk about all the time about how it's either win a championship Or don't win a championship. Well, if you have no chance of winning a championship. If you have literally zero chance of winning a championship, which the Chicago Bulls had. They did not draft a generational star and they weren't going to get draft picks high enough to get another one. And they had just gone through four consecutive years of losing and bad basketball and Jim Boylan. All of it. How about you just field a team that's interesting to watch? Because not everyone can win a championship. And the Chicago Bulls kind of looked at the landscape of the league and said, well, let's just field the most competitive team we can. And I know we clown on the Knicks for doing that, like, last year. And the Bulls are kind of like this year's version of the Knicks where they just spent a ton of money. And if you spend a ton of money, you can be competitive. At the very least, the Bulls were fun. Like, they, they got injured at the end where Caruso got hurt because Grayson Allen, like, cheap at him and then got hurt in the playoff series and Lonzo didn't get to play and Vucevic is an empty stat guy who they shouldn't have gave up three first-round picks for. But in the end, like they also gave up two top-ten picks for Vucevic, and they probably shouldn't have done that. But they're at least competitive. They're at least moderately fun. And the Bulls spent... uh, I mean, this is the part that I say all the time, and I was saying this even last year when I knew they were going to be the sixth seed, is the Chicago Bulls spent essentially $200 million and three draft picks to build the sixth seed in the East that could get one playoff victory. You could get one playoff victory. And that's how small market teams work sometimes. I know we crapped on Minnesota for how they built a team in the you know, they, they missed the playoffs for like 17 years and then they got one playoff victory against the Rockets. Now they have two playoff victories and the play in game and this is like the greatest moment in the history of Minnesota basketball. When you're a loser, sometimes you just need that one thing of a good memory to save. And I know Chicago's a really big market. We think of it as like basketball lore. Chicago is a really poorly run organization, and being in a big market only matters if you can attract stars who want to play in a big market. The Chicago Bulls got DeMar DeRozan. That's not exactly the big-time star they were hoping for. It's the attraction of Dwayne Wade in his prime, LeBron James in his prime. Chris Bosh in his prime, and I know I'm picking that because that was the last time the Bulls were relevant in a national conversation of will this star decide to play for their team. I know they wanted to believe Anthony Davis would choose them over Los Angeles back in 2018 while they were rebuilding their entire team, but Chicago Bulls are poorly run, and that is you have to be a base level of competent to draft to attract star players. You have to have a reason. For people to want to play for your team unless you have the hometown discount thing of like Anthony Davis and even that's not good enough if you're a shitty run organization because the, the the New York Knicks had the quote unquote hometown discount for Kyrie and that was going to bring Kevin Durant also and they chose Brooklyn because you have to be a base level of competent to attract to attract someone to play for your team because they have to choose you like NBA stars, a top 15 NBA star has to choose to play for your team unless you draft them. Chicago hasn't been able to draft people. And because of that, they're not attractive to any top 15 player in the NBA and therefore they cannot become championship contenders, which is basically all a small market team is right. A small market team is just, they can't acquire top 15 players without Drafting them. And when they draft them, they have to convince those players to stay with their teams. That's the whole thing people talks about with Charlotte and OKC and Sacramento and all these tiny NBA markets is like they just they only get stars when they draft them or luck into them. That's the whole complaint people say about small market teams. So Chicago is acting and behaving like a small market team, and I commend them for doing that. Like, if you're going to be a small market team, and if you can't do any better, yeah, throw a bunch of money at DeRozan. Do what, be the Charlotte Hornets. That's essentially what the Bulls have become. The Bulls are essentially the Charlotte Hornets, or the Orlando Magic, or any of these small market teams. Because think about it, Orlando spent years at the top of the lottery, Made the playoffs two years in a row. They lost in five games to the eventual champion Toronto Raptors and a year later eventual champion Milwaukee Bucks. And then Orlando traded Vucevic and they're using that Vucevic trade to rebuild their team again with years at the top of the lottery. So they had four really bad years, three years of getting bounced in the first round, and four years of being crap. And that's basically where the Chicago Bulls are right now. It was they got Derrick Rose. They had this magic, et cetera, et cetera. Then they traded. They they tried to sign Dwayne Wade. Didn't work. Derrick Rose got hurt, traded him. Jimmy Butler traded him because they maxed out value on Jimmy Butler and basically behaved like a small market team. And they missed on all their draft picks and couldn't convince someone to sign there. And so they behaved like a small market team again. By the way, the Lakers did this too. For years and years and years, if you d- essentially the difference between big market and small market is, do you want a top 15 player to sign with you? And the thing is, there's only 15 top 15 players in the NBA. So if you're one of a, a, like dumbest way possible, say that all of the top 15 players in the NBA play on different teams. It's not exactly true in this respect, but it's pretty close if you can't get one of those players and make yourself a top 10 team, because again, let's operate under the assumption that all top 10 teams need at least a top 15 player in the NBA. If you can't get one of those players and you can't make it to the second round of the playoffs, you're essentially playing minor league basketball. And credit to the Chicago Bulls for saying, instead of tearing it all down again, we're just going to throw money at DeRozan, we're going to Throw money in picks to get Vucevic. We're going to try and re-sign Zach Levine. We're just going to try and get bounced in the first round for a few years. Commend them for doing it, because at least they had a fun team to watch this year. Yeah, they weren't ever competing for a championship, and we all knew they weren't competing for a championship. At least they had a fun team, though. And in next year, they'll play in the play-in game, because DeMar DeRozan's getting older, and Zach Levine might leave. They'll play in the play-in round, and then the year after that, they'll trade everyone and tear it down. Unless a star player like Anthony Davis decides they want to go play for the Bulls. And even then, they still might only get to the play-in game. They at least get a puncher's chance if they get a top player deciding to play for the Bulls. Bulls are basically a small market team. I know that sucks for Bulls fans to hear. You kind of knew it deep down. Bulls act like a small market team, and they're a small market team just because no one wants to come play for their organization. They have essentially become the Orlando Magic of the 2020s. And the Magic now stink, and the Bulls are now good. They, they work in lockstep with the Orlando Magic. They traded places with them. They gave up three firsts to get Vucevic, and Orlando went to the top of the lottery, and the Bulls went to winning one playoff game. They essentially just switched places with each other. The Bulls decided after four years of a shitty rebuild, we'd rather have what Orlando has than just continue to be terrible. We'd rather have what the Orlando Magic have, which is one playoff victory. One playoff victory to show for five years of a terrible, terrible rebuild. Which, by the way, is basically all the Lakers had before LeBron James showed up. Sometimes it works like that. You just got to... Not be a poorly run organization. The Bulls are doing their best. They're still a poorly run organization, though. And they're a poorly run organization because they just happen to not get a pick that could get them Luka Doncic or Trey Young or Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball to actually build something competitive. I commend them for trying, though. It's better to do that than just continue to be sad forever and go through another four years of a rebuild, at least delay that by three years. Because even if you did that new rebuild, still might not work out. At least you had a fun team with some names that you knew, and they'll probably be competitive again next year, even if it's fighting for the eighth seed in the East and losing to Trey Young. New sponsor alert. It's the good people over at CreditKarma.com. Sponsoring the Take It Easy podcast. Credit Karma can help you look for a low interest personal loan that could help you save money while you pay off a purchase or pay down old credit card debt. Credit Karma compares loan offers for free, and it will not affect your credit score to use CreditKarma.com. If you're ready to apply, you can use the link in the description to this episode. Or head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see your personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. Creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Speaking of the Atlanta Hawks and teams who are probably only going to win one game in the playoffs. Oh, Trey Young. So we've been off the air since Friday, which you should check out Friday's episode with our friends Cincy, of course, also, and continue to show that lovely support that you all do. On Friday, I watched the Hawks and Heat basketball game. I did it while eating an entire Little Caesars pizza for $7, courtesy of Little Caesars. I'm not being paid to say that. I'm just a fan. It's good pizza, despite those who may object. So I was watching Hawks and Heat, and that game ended, well, first of all, it was a 20-0 run for the Miami Heat mixed in there, and then the Hawks went on a 17-2 run, which is like the most basketball thing you can find now, because with all of the volume shooting that goes on, fast-paced offenses and three-pointers, like, no lead is safe in the NBA, 20 point leads vanish all the time. I'm just like, "Oh yeah, I guess that's possible cuz you can go on these runs so quickly. It's why we've seen these like insane blowouts with really bad teams. It's just run after run after run. The score can get up to 50 plus points if everyone plays terribly. But usually teams go on runs individually by themselves, and the Hawks happened to play a really good game that night. Like Trey Young had one of the worst playoff games he's or one of the worst basketball games he's ever played. In game one, and then in game two, he played really well, but Jimmy Butler went bonkers for 45 points. This game had had a little bit of that both ways. Like, both teams had crazy runs. Both teams looked evenly matched the way the Hawks and the Heat can be because, you know, the Hawks and the Heat aren't that dissimilar of basketball teams. The Heat are clearly better than the Hawks, but they aren't that dissimilar of basketball teams. And so what's really interesting is the Atlanta Hawks get to the end of the game they're down one, and Trey Young hits a floater with 4.4 seconds left to go and win the game. I'm sure most of you have seen it. If you haven't seen it, go find the video of it because it is ice freaking cold. Trey Young has no reaction after making it. The Heat call a timeout. Everyone behind him is hugging each other. There's one. There's one um, group of dudes where the two guys are hugging each other really awkwardly after he hits it like they just don't know what to do with themselves after Trey Young has hit this amazing shot to take the lead against the heat, against the Heat and it just rolls around the rim and like this last year was a crazy run for the Hawks but it was one of those where it's like there were literally no expectations and beating the the Sixers was like okay even we know we don't deserve this one Even we know that this was just a fluke victory for us because they got to the conference championship. They knew they were getting smacked, just knew they were getting smacked. And not all Hawks fans think this way, but just realistically, you knew the Hawks had no chance against the Milwaukee Bucks and beating the Knicks was their like, oh my, it was their version of what we were talking about with the Bulls. And it was really, really interesting to watch it play out the way that it did because, The Hawks hit that shot, and then Jimmy Butler tries a fadeaway for the win, and everyone goes crazy, and last year, when I became the mayor of Warriors South, and we fell in love with that basketball team, all those emotions came back out, because remember, I talked about last year, both on a podcast at the very beginning of the pandemic, and then last year when the playoff run was happening, and this is actually our first introduction to Morgan from Australia, that I am the mayor of Warriors South. Does it make sense? Not exactly, because Warriors South doesn't sound like a place, but Warriors South is the Atlanta Hawks, and the reason they're Warriors South is because Travis Schlentak is the name of their general manager. I guess we talked about this with Morgan last week, but I'll rehash it again. Travis Schlentak, general manager of the goal, of the Hawks, was second in command to Bob Myers from like 2010 till the um, until the 73-win the season in 2017 or 2016. So in 2016, he goes to the Atlanta Hawks and he runs the Atlanta Hawks and he drafts Trey Young to basically be like Steph Curry. He's like, how did the Warriors become so good? We drafted Steph Curry. Well, what if we draft the next baby Steph Curry, the only real child of the Steph Curry generation? There's also... Marcus Howard, who led college basketball by playing like Steph Curry, and Chris Clemens, who is this amazing college basketball player. But altogether, the one child of the Steph Curry generation who looks like Steph Curry, plays like Steph Curry, uses the Steph Curry layup packages and dribble moves and pull up three pointers, the guy who looks like he's copying Steph Curry, the same way Kobe Bryant copied Michael Jordan and did it almost as good, is Trey Young and he took the guy who looked like and played like Steph Curry and lo and behold Trey Young became one of his generation's great players like tier 2 tier 3 star in Trey Young and then he did literally nothing else around Trey Young like when we shit on the Bulls for getting nothing and not doing anything after that they got Trey Young and just didn't do shit around Trey Young like they had that one pick And then they didn't really do anything else to build around him. Kevin Herter was a fine piece. John Collins was a steal with the 20th pick in the draft. John Collins is also a player you use to acquire a player better than John Collins if you're building a championship caliber team. Like, John Collins is the reason you're good, and John Collins is the reason you aren't better, because he's your second best player. And you need John Collins to be like your third or fourth best player, or you trade John Collins to get, say, Bradley Beal, which was a name that was getting thrown around a lot last year. You trade John Collins so you can pair Trey Young with Bradley Beal, and they tried to compete by signing Gallinari and signing Bogdanovich and signing all these insulary players that made the Hawks better than a play, than a missed playoff team. And that year they got the four seed or the five seed, and or they got the five seed. And that was just because the Heat had a really bad year and the Celtics got hurt at the end of the year, but they got the five seed and then got the miraculous upset because the 76ers had the greatest collapse we've seen in like 10 years in the NBA playoffs. And they got to have a weird conference final run where we'll be like, oh yeah, the Hawks made the conference finals that year, even though they were like, should have lost in the first round if they match up against anyone other than the Knicks. Like Miami was the sixth seed that year against the three seed Bucks, and Hawks and Knicks was the first round matchup. If the Knicks played the Heat in the first round and the Hawks played the Bucks, the Heat would have advanced and the Bucks would have advanced and the Hawks would have lost in the first round. And the Heat would have played the Sixers, which would have been so much more fun than the Hawks beating the Sixers. But the, six, the, the Hawks ha- just were the team that was there to take advantage of the Sixers falling apart, which is not to discredit what the Hawks did. They just had no business being in that series and played like they had no business being in that series because my uh, the 76ers blew a 25-point lead in Game 5 of that series and a 24-point lead in Game 7 of that series. So they absolutely fell apart in those two games and the Hawks just happened to be the team to take advantage of it. They should have lost that series in six games. What's interesting about it from Atlanta is they changed nothing and got worse because everyone else got better and they changed nothing. The Bulls spent $250 million in three draft picks. The Celtics got better. Miami got Kyle Lowry, which was an insulary move. But when you do nothing when you're the Atlanta Hawks, well, you just fall behind Miami, Boston and Chicago to the point where now you're the seventh best team in the Eastern Conference. Instead of the 4th best team in the Eastern Conference. And so Atlanta is a first round exit. They got a tough matchup in the first round. And they just gave me a moment. That made me look up and say. Oh that's why I love the Hawks. That's why I'm the mayor of Warriors South. They gave me a moment on Friday. And those last second game winners. The same way we talked about how fun that Jason Tatum game winner was against Brooklyn. How it changed the entire series now. I had that moment when Trey Young, with four seconds left, hit that game winner. And the one that people remember probably is Joel Embiid with one second left burying that shot against Toronto. It's kind of the same vibes. I happen to not watch that game, and a lot of people probably didn't watch that game because it was on, like, NBA TV. And they saw the highlight of the Joel Embiid play afterward, but they didn't get to watch it live. The same way, like, maybe the greatest playoff game I've ever watched between Damian Lillard And Portland against the Nuggets last year was on NBA TV. And we don't talk about how crazy it was that Damian Lillard literally scored the last 24 points of the game for the Portland Trailblazers. And only when CJ McCollum stepped out of bounds did they lose and then like six months later trade CJ McCollum. It's crazy how all of that played out, and it's not talked about as one of the great basketball games of all time because it was a meaningless first-round matchup on NBA TV. This Hawks-Heat one, more people watched it. It's going to be a cool memory that I recall because Trey Young hit a game-winning shot with four seconds left, and that dude is ice-freaking-cold and one of my favorite players in the NBA as baby Steph Curry, and I'm the mayor of Warriors South. And so after that win, I was telling Morgan from Australia, it's time to bust out the Warriors South bandwagon again, even though I know they're not going to win the series. They just gave me a moment. And if you're going to be one of these teams that gets bounced in the first round, just give me a moment. Why not? Give your fan base a moment. Hawks fans, like last year is going to be a run that was like similar to what the Bengals did this year, where it's like, was any of this real? (laughs) And we just had no expectation that any of this would happen, this weird, utter collapse by Kansas City or a weird, utter collapse by Philadelphia or a weird, utter collapse of like, hey, we happen to play the Titans in the first round of the playoffs because that's how tiebreakers worked and we didn't have to play Buffalo. Like, we're just going to like sneak our way to a championship. By the way, if you sneak a championship or you sneak a conference finals appearance, power to you power to you for sneaking that moment like we can say trey young made a conference finals and trey young has these awesome moments of just being like clutch at the end of games and he's entertaining as shit as one of the four five best players of the baby generation and oh it was so magical so magical to watch the hawks give me a moment and remember why i fell in love with warriors south and I know we have the term for a Bogdanovich, but they have an actual Bogdanovich. And that Bogdanovich was swaggering up and down the court. And they had Gallinari, who, by the way, Nuggets, trade for Gallinari. Bring him back. You should call the Hawks and trade for Gallinari. That'd be a great piece to put around Jokic. And John Collins coming back from an injury and Capella being out, but then Onyeka Okongwu sliding in. Oh, the Hawks, Warriors South. Welcome back. You didn't give me much to cheer for this year because you were a first-round exit team and you still haven't put a second star around Trey Young and you did literally nothing this offseason after making the conference finals. But Warrior South, oh, welcome back. Welcome back. I know you're like the seventh-best team in the East because last year you were the fifth-best team in the East. and Miami got better and Boston got better and Chicago got better, so now you're the eighth seed. Oh, welcome back. Welcome back. I missed you. Ever so dearly. It's great to have you back, Atlanta, Warriors South. So I suppose since the Denver Nuggets got swept out of the playoffs, that we are supposed to come on here and eulogize the Denver Nuggets because their season is essentially over, and Jokic has one year left on his contract, and I know Jokic has said he wants to be Denver's Tim Duncan. If you're looking at the landscape, and I'm Jokic, I'm like, oh some better options than staying here in denver but you know to each their own maybe Jokic decides with being one of the three best players of his generation and first ballot hall of famer lock on the nba 75 team in the future maybe Jokic decides that he would like to remain a loyal denver nugget as the team gets bounced in the first round every year for the next few years but What's interesting is that I don't really have much to say about Denver because I think Denver would have been a contender in the Western Conference if they just had Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And that's more to dismiss the competition of the Western Conference and to say just how amazing it is that Nikola Jokic, how amazingly good Nikola Jokic is at basketball. If you just give him a base level of talent, just a base level of talent then they could be a finals contender every single year. They don't necessarily make the finals. They should have better than fourth-tier stars of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. They need a player better than Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to really solidify that, but also the Western Conference isn't super strong. Like, if you add Gallinari and keep Aaron Gordon and bring back Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray... If you add those three players to the Denver Nuggets, say you bring back Michael Porter Jr., you bring back Jamal Murray, and you trade for Danilio Gallinari. Like, next year, you can be a competitor in the Western Conference. That's a better team than Dallas. It's a better team than Memphis. It's a better team than everyone except maybe Golden State and Phoenix. But it would still be fun series to watch Jokic against Golden State and Phoenix if he just had a base level of talent on his team. And so the Nuggets will get there eventually and if Jokic decides to sign his extension this offseason he signs his extension and maybe they maybe they sign and trade for Bradley Beal. Maybe this is finally the year they get Bradley Beal. Maybe they go all in and say let's go get Damian Lillard. Let's see if Damian Lillard wants to play in Denver with Jokic. And that would be make that that would make them championship contenders cuz then you have a second best player as good as Jokic. But for the most part Denver's going to come back with pretty much the same team next year, unless Jokic decides he wants to blow it all up, which he can. It'd be really easy to, because he's one year out from free agency, even though it looks like he's not going to do it. It'd be really easy. I really want to see him on the Suns, like we talked about a month ago, not just here, but also on our YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to. They just had injuries this year. They didn't have a chance. They were kind of forced to play this series. And, once they went down 2-0, it kind of just pretty much over. What was the point of playing when you know you have no chance of winning because your second best player is Will Barton? And I'm not saying that because Will Barton is a funny name, although it is. Will Barton is literally the second leading scorer on the Denver Nuggets. And as great as Jokic is, the fact that they won 50 games is the reason why Jokic should, could, would be the MVP this year. And they just had a cataclysmic amount of injuries that under normal circumstances would mean that you leave. Like the Denver Nuggets can do more to support Jokic. They haven't been able to do more to support Jokic. And that's disappointing because they got to a conference final in the bubble. A little bit of a surprise team, but they did beat a Clippers team that just really didn't play well at the end. And they took advantage of it, similar to what we talked about with the Hawks. It's just that Jokic is a much better player. And Jokic can replicate that because Jokic is amazing at basketball. But yeah, Denver just got hurt. And maybe this is their last ride together because Jokic decides he does want to leave. The more likely scenario is they run it back with, you know, adding Gallinari or someone of Gallinari's caliber and bringing back Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray and doing your best to compete with the Warriors next year. Because you at least close the talent gap with the Warriors if you add Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and a third player better than Will Barton. You close the... If Will Barton's your fifth best player, you've almost closed the talent gap with the Warriors. It's just when he's your second best player and Jokic is your number one, you've got no chance, so... And we'll see what happens. Not much out there to really dramatically change for the Nuggets unless, I mean, everything could change for the Nuggets because Jokic decides he wants to leave. So everything could change for the Nuggets because he wants to leave or he re-signs and they're pretty much the same team, but they try to get Bradley Beal or they try their best to finally get a player better than Jamal Murray for him. They're at an interesting crossroad. Jokic controls all of the cards for that organization just all the cards for the organization and if he decides to re-up they'll get everyone healthy again and they'll try with pretty much the same team they tried back in 2018 to win with and the team they fielded in 2019 and the team they fielded in 2020 and the team they fielded in the playoffs last year until Jamal Murray got hurt with I think it was like five games left in the regular season or whatever it was before Jamal Murray tore his ACL in March, 2021, basically bring back the same team, just everyone two years older and uh, the sun's a little bit better and the Warriors definitely better and Dallas getting better. We change nothing and let everyone else kind of evolve around us. It's kind of been the Nuggets' strategy for a few years. Now we change nothing and just let everyone else get better while we stay the same. Which, when we stay the same, we're actually getting worse, because everyone's just getting a year older. Last, and certainly the least, on this here, Memes of the Weekend podcast, which is technically two podcasts worth of content, here on the Take It Easy podcast. Check out our NBA Monday podcast as well. The Philadelphia Toronto series, which... We already did the Toronto eulogy, I already made the Toronto jokes, I already played the Toronto bit that we made last week of a team being all Precious Achuas and Fred Van Fleet. We made all the jokes already, but since we're kind of recapping like three days of NBA playoff action, I kind of wanted to mention all the series. So, yeah, by the time you're listening to this, Philadelphia-Toronto might be over. I wish Philadelphia-Toronto had been over on Saturday. Toronto got a game, though. Good on Toronto. It's uh, basically what we did during football season, which was the forgettable game of the week. It's kind of what Philadelphia-Toronto is at this point. We know it's over. They just have to keep playing games until Philadelphia closes it out, which is going to be on Monday. just means we had to do four extra days of that series when the series should have ended as soon as Joel Embiid hit that buzzer beater on Wednesday. When Joel Embiid hit that buzzer beater with point. Eight seconds left on the clock in overtime. It should have been over then. When Philadelphia led for like 16 seconds of that entire game and and Embiid hits that shot at the end of that game, the series should have ended right there. It's the end of the entire Sixers Raptors series. Instead, we have to do a semantics two more games that the Raptors don't want to play and sure as shit know that the Philadelphia 76ers don't want to play. They're already talking about the Miami Heat series, which is going to be epic because those two teams hate each other, but we get to just delay the inevitable because Trey Young gave us a moment and because the Raptors decided to win game four, forced the Sixers to play a meaningless game five.
1: Garoppolo drops back to throw You're gonna lose the game The seasons come and seasons go The Niners need a change If you don't throw check downs You're gonna take a sack Jimmy G is warming up Yeah, he's your quarterback No, don't throw it, interceptions drive us all insane, phones are calling, Ron Rivera wants to make a trade, if a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up, they got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games, that don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G, now he's your quarterback.
0: Even on this NBA Monday, you didn't think we'd sneak out of here without giving you our weekly Jimmy Garoppolo update, because I really want to play that song as long as I possibly can, because it's really, really freaking cool. And I'm amazed that Jimmy Garoppolo is still somehow on the San Francisco 49ers, and I'm going to play that song as much as I can to laugh at the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is still somehow on the San Francisco 49ers. Not much new to uh, report this week in the Jimmy Garoppolo ongoing saga, although we did have him doing a radio interview in which Jimmy Garoppolo mentioned how great of a teammate Debo Samuel is and didn't tow the company line for the San Francisco 49ers, even though he is still technically employed by the 49ers. He said, whatever happens for Debo he's gonna get his money and he's one of the greatest teammates I've ever worked with so shout out to Jimmy G looking out for his friend Debo Samuel as the smear campaign of Debo Samuel begins by the way our, our friend Juju Talk Sports has a podcast called 49 Reasons to Listen it's a 49ers podcast Check out their Instagram because he reposted the video of Debo Samuel at the club and a bunch of 49ers fans chanting that they got Debo back or Debo's coming back to the 49ers and he hit him with the like Jonah Hill like throat cut, like cut the like nah, when when he was there. It's really funny. You guys should check it out. They found Debo at the club uh, and they made a whole thing about him coming back to the 49ers. It was really funny. Um, but yeah. Debo is the news that is controlling the 49ers world right now everyone's kind of just sitting there for Jimmy G just waiting to see what's gonna happen Ben McAdoo spilled the tea on they're gonna try and keep Sam Darnold which means they don't like any of the quarterbacks in this rookie class which means still an outside chance Jimmy Garoppolo ends up sad on the Carolina Panthers still a possibility we'll see where he ends up going time will tell it's Panthers and Seahawks or anyone who doesn't get a quarterback in this year's draft class. Just trade two picks for Jimmy G, and he's your quarterback for your sad seven and ten football team. It doesn't matter which team it is, it's gonna be a sad seven and ten football team. Or if it's Pittsburgh, it's gonna be a moderately sad uh Pittsburgh's a moderately sad nine and eight football team. But I guess they got Mitch Trubisky already, so you know, Jimmy G's kinda of just stuck. We'll see who doesn't pick a quarterback in this year's class. Anyways, that's our Jimmy G update. Nothing new to report, except that he cla- he stood up for his buddy Debo Samuel. Good for Jimmy G. And no trade on the horizon. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in to the Take It Easy podcast Thank you for all of your continued support here and for your downloads and your five-star reviews and all of the great comments that you've left me. I really appreciate all the support this past week. We had a huge week on the podcast. So if you're new to the podcast, thanks for your continued support. I hope you enjoy this little rinky-dink thing we have going on here and that you continue to leave those five-star reviews and downloads and supports and just listening to the show. So with that being said... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping on In Here to the Take It Easy podcast. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Take it easy, everybody.